Welcome to the Aspiring High Performers podcast, the show where we embrace both the challenges and the beauty of our high performance journeys and aspirations. I am your host, Sanna Koyanen, a former professional athlete from Finland who is now guiding others to excel through mental performance coaching and breathwork in Denver, Colorado. And together, we are on a mission to achieve greatness without compromising our well-being or happiness anymore. So join me as we connect with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals from the worlds of sports and high performance. We will uncover the stories, tools, and insights needed to craft and improve our own high performance lifestyles. So get ready, because this journey promises to be both enlightening and enjoyable. Welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is Amanda Benson, who is a professional volleyball player, but also an author, and she owns her own styling business. So this 28-year-old lady is a true example of what multi-passionate lifestyle can look like. And she is also showing how much more you can be than an athlete and how it is possible to also do other things very well on the side while being a pro athlete, if you just don't box yourself. And so we also talk about female athlete calendars that are quite interesting trend in some European clubs, where women are being photographed, sometimes half naked, and then those calendars are being sold to get more money for the club. So it does It goes for a good cause, but the method is a little questionable if you ask me. And so that's one of the topics we are talking about in addition to creating and losing trust, courage to be vulnerable and mental strength. So I was really excited to have Benny as my guest on Instagram last year. And now I'm even happier so that I get to share her story and insights in a podcast form with you today. And if you know anyone who could benefit from the stories and examples in this episode, please share this with them and be the bridge between us and them. Because I am not running ads. So the only way for the podcast to grow is if you would share this with someone and I would be so very grateful for your help. I promise I have so much good stuff coming up in the next months for you. And if you have any guest wishes, you can always send them to me, to my email, which is sana at sanagolanen.com. So my first name is spelled S-A-A-N-A and my last name is spelled spelled K-O-L-J-O-N-E-N. So sana at sanagolanen.com. Okay, so let's get to it and let Benny tell you about the ups and downs of her pro athlete life. How did she get there? How did she overcome all the downs and then landed on the top? Well, let's just start first with like an introduction um, for people who might not know you. How would you describe yourself? Yeah, I'll try to keep my introduction kind of short because I know we have a lot to unpack. But um, hi, everyone. I am Amanda Benson. I'm 27 years old. I was born and raised in Arizona. I am a volleyball player, professional, um, a libero as well. I spent my four years at the University of Oregon um, to go on to play with the U.S. Women's National Team. And then I've done four years overseas. Um, and just in my fifth year in the New American League, it's the second year, which was amazing. Um, aside from that, I also started a styling business. So I'm a personal stylist and wardrobe stylist. Um, I started that a business, AB Styled Me, about two years ago, um, which there's a couple sectors off of that. I also sell uh, pre-loved and vintage clothing. I do curated boxes. And also happy to announce that I'm now an author of my first book, Fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's 
that's me. Yeah, and that's so awesome. And I think that's why I wanted to have this live with you mm -hmm. because of the expectation oftentimes, like whenever we are athletes, that's the only thing that we are and we identify with like only the sports performance. And I think you're a perfect example for people who might also feel like they have so much more inside them and feel maybe like limited by that like athlete box. And so knowing like, or like maybe you now sharing your story, how you have been able to express all those different sides that you now you have this business and you're also an author, which is such an amazing thing. So that people would maybe see like, it's like, yes, the athlete life is also possibilities. It was like, we don't have to necessarily like lock in ourselves into this box that like, okay, from an athlete, the only thing that I can do is just like, you know, work on my biceps on the gym. And then, yeah. you know, really that kind of assumption. Um, so let's start from the beginning. How did you start playing volleyball? Um, I started playing volleyball when I was 11. My aunt actually played uh, collegiate volleyball and she had moved into our family's house in Arizona and ended up coaching a high school team down the road. And so my brothers and I, we all started playing volleyball at the same time. We would just like kind of go in the gym and bop around. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Like it was so different from all the other sports that I played at the time. I did gymnastics, I did basketball. Um, I even tried to play football when I was younger. But volleyball, something about it, like the team aspect and just like how like fast tempo where it was it was so different than anything i had played and i was like in love so i guess 16 years ago that well feels like a big number yeah and so oh my gosh <laughs> no you're not all. i'm 33 so still <laughs> head most of us that play pro it's like over the majority of life at that point that you have dedicated your entire life to the game yeah exactly and then I think that kind of like happened along the way. Yeah, I don't think it was ever right away. I think, you know, I think there's a lot more education now around professional volleyball. But in college, I don't really think I understood that until you meet alumni and they have experience going overseas. But up until then, I didn't really think about it. I didn't know about it um, until maybe my freshman year where some alumni would come back and play. And, and then I thought, okay, how can I set myself up to achieve that goal? Because I knew I was good enough. I knew that I wanted to do it. Um, and at that point, I wasn't really, didn't have that entrepreneurial mindset of, oh, I want to like do something instead of volleyball. At that time, it was, okay, I'm going to go do this. Um, and didn't really know what that path was going to look like. I really graduated early to try and go overseas. Um, but I had no idea about how hard it would be to get an agent as a libero. Yeah, literally two jobs at that point. <laughs> I graduated early, so it was December. A lot of liberals just don't get injured. I mean, it doesn't really happen. Um, so yeah, how, how to get an agent, where to go, what to do. You know, I reached out to some alumni and talked with them, but it was really difficult. Um, but luckily, I got picked up by the national team, and so I trained with them until I signed my first pro contract. But still, it's really tough as a American libero. There's not many of no yeah i i know and also like for those who might not know this um in european leagues there's always kind of like a foreigner quota so then usually those um how better hi federico but um so then those spots usually go to people who can actually score and make gains so then uh, like if there's two spots in italy well not even 
well, yeah, this isn't just an example. I don't actually know what the numbers anymore are, but like if there's like two spots in Italy that would go for foreigners, then liberos are not hired for those. So then it also like diminishes the amount of leagues that liberos can play in. So it's it's really hard because there's not that much opportunities or not that many opportunities for liberos to go and play. So yeah, I absolutely can feel you on that one. And then at the same time, yeah. having that dream of going, and I do respect that, like you knew that okay, I'm, I just want to do this. So I'm just going to graduate early. Um, so how did you get your or land your agent? Is it through the I, U.S. national team? I got to the national team. Um, I had reached out to a few agents, but um, a lot of them just weren't taking liberos um, for that reason alone. It's just the opportunities are really, really slim. Um, we don't really make too much money for them, um, and yeah. so. Not until I got to the national team is when Ryan signed me to leave. Yeah. And so how was that travel then? All that from being like being in the USA and training with the US national team and then landing your first pro contract. Where did you go? I went to France my first season. I was in Nancy up okay. in the north. Yeah, it was different. I had I was really nervous. Part of me was like, oh, no, you're like, you're so confident. Like, you're ready for this. And then I remember distinctly on one of my layover flights where I almost had a panic attack. I was like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going? I don't know anybody. I obviously don't speak French. I should have taken French in high school. Like, what am I doing? What am I getting myself into? Like really having this like stress and anxiety about what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended up, you know, having great teammates my whole four years really um and that is very beneficial to have people that kind of take you under their wing and um kind of an older french middle who was kind of like my mother in france and just helped me with anything i did and i had to quickly learn just to ask for help like you, you just are not going to figure it out on yourself you're in a foreign mm-hmm. country you don't speak the language so yeah ask for help so i learned that very quickly <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also played in France and yeah, did not know the language and did not learn it that well. It was really hard. Um, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful language. I think that w- I would pick that one, like French as a language that I would love to learn. If I could pick one that I want to speak, I think I would pick that pick that one just because mm-hmm. I would found it. Yeah, I don't know. There's something awesome about it. I tried to I tried to the best way I could learn was actually just to hear it and just say it. Like mm-hmm. I had this thing like some people make fun of me but if I was listening to a conversation I would just start repeating the words I didn't even know what they meant but I was just repeating the words yeah just to get like the phonetics down but yeah French is just such a lovely language I wish I would have learned more it stuck a little better yeah so was your coach also speaking French also English we did all of our practices in French because we had a few younger French girls who it was easier for us to just figure it out like the foreigners just figure it out and have like the young French girls like get really frustrated and upset um but he also spoke eight languages which is super impressive yes and we had eight foreigners and three of them I think spoke fluent French so and we had a Brazilian so Portuguese and French isn't too too different Um, yeah so the rest of us that had no idea what was going on was kind of like all right just get in the back of the line and then you'll figure it out but yeah Mm -hmm. all of our practices and of course if he wanted to speak to us he would just speak english to me yeah okay that's cool 
Yeah, for sure. Because then there also are many teams where English is not, not necessarily like even the language that the coach can speak. So that usually complicates some things for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also become your translator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Google Translator is the thing. And then knowing like you're also much message and there's so many misunderstanding and misunderstandings that can happen when I'm using a Google translator. Like it just, it was hard. Um, where did you find France? Um, in, oh my God, this is one of those things like pronouncing this. Camper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So playing there. Um, and then that coach spoke just a little bit of English, but not really that much. Mm -hmm. And that was my last year too. So it was kind of like a half a season only that I uh, got to play in there, but just loved where I was living, loved the culture, so good too. Like, I don't know, I was like heaven as a vegetarian too, because it was like all the vegetables yeah. were actually made so delicious. I don't know, it's yeah. just a cool experience. Super also so different Yeah, America. Yeah. yeah. Yes, completely. So much more fresh. Uh, yes, completely. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so is there anything that you think or like you wish that you would like prepared yourself from going from college to pro? I think it's really difficult. Like I talk to a lot of girls that are even coming out of Oregon or just girls that reach out to me for advice that are going overseas. Mm -hmm. And literally it's so difficult because everyone has a different experience from their first year to their last year. Yeah. Um, you really never know exactly what you're going to get um, mm -hmm. compared to maybe like the collegiate process where you take a visit and you get to meet everyone, right? And you meet your kids. Yeah. But when you go overseas, it's like you just sign a piece of paper. You don't really know yeah. what you're doing. Um, but the best advice I can get is just to be like super present um, and to go with a hobby. I think like the biggest thing is isolation, of course. And, you know, you get into this routine where maybe minimum you're in six hours of volleyball a day and like what is it that you're passionate about that you can do outside of volleyball to where it's not just volleyball 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 because over a nine ten month season that really drains you if that's all you're yeah. constantly doing so like that's my biggest advice is like bring a hobby or figure out something that you love while you're there yeah did you learn that by doing her first year or something that like you can like develop throughout the years yeah i was already writing roots when i got to france so i had started it in in oregon and so i kind of took it with me so that was something that i did aside from volleyball outside of practice was write a lot journal a lot um like i said it's pretty isolating so mm -hmm. whatever you can do while you're in your apartment yeah for sure and so the french season was a success or yeah, i think it was a success um, yeah, we didn't make playoffs that first year, but I was really happy about like all the challenges I overcame and I guess my performance overall. And I was re just really happy with mm -hmm. um, the connections that I made with not only the coaches, but also the players. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, OK, this is this was a good rookie season. You know, like I still love Bumble Ball. Truly be happy for, you know. For sure, because I think that happens a lot, like people who come from U.S. or like also from other countries and they have their first season it's you know awful it's a shock and then they lose the joy for the volleyball and then usually or like whatever their sport might be and then might just quit or just like go somewhere just to have like a hobby instead of like a profession so i think that that's a big big win if you have your first yeah, season and, 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 and 
Yes, exactly. And you like it. Yeah. Like nobody so filled your joy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There are so many ones. I mean, that's just a whole other fact. Being away from it. You know, you're probably 12 hours at time difference and just, you know, that becomes too much to handle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And then from France, where did you move next to? I went to Dresden in Germany. Okay. And how was that? Um, that was kind of my, my tough year mentally yeah. for sure um i mean at the end as far as numbers go i did a lot better than i thought but mm-hmm. it was pretty grueling i'm not going to lie like playing at one of the best clubs in germany was when mm-hmm. i first got there i thought you know this is an honor um yeah this is such an honor to go play at dresden there's been so many amazing like past olympic liberos that have played here um there are kind of known for like their iconic libero um just an iconic team in general and when i got there with you know german training it's a little bit different than what i was experiencing in france um a lot different than what i experienced but i'd say overall kind of the coaching was something to get used to um and that's also when they're also pretty much known for their bikini camp calendars so that's kind of when all that started about I yes. just missed, missed the calendar because I was playing with the national team. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my second year was was tough. That's where I started to kind of lose the joy of volleyball. Yeah. And have you been able to trace back now? Like what was the reason for losing the joy? Because I think that's from different people. Like, okay, what were the factors that caused um, us to like lose that joy? So do you know what is it for you or what yeah, was it for you? connect with the coaching I think Mm -hmm. I really over over my career I've really been able to build trust with my coaches and I I mean coming off from Oregon I just I had a great relationship with our head coach and was able to kind of adapt and adjust and I was looked at as a leader there and when I got to Dresden I just there was none of that you know I, I don't even think my coach and I had a meeting one-on-one the whole entire season and I can feel like there was tension and I felt like I was playing really poorly although I was like the the starter for the team the entire year I just felt like I was doing really poorly and like at the end it was not that it in my uh, leaving meeting it was he had told me like your numbers are better than our past libero and she had been there for eight years it's just that you weren't a leader I just I told him you know, I never felt like you really believed in me to be a leader. And I was super lost and I didn't know what my role was. We had a lot of yeah. um, older girls, older Germans that have been there forever and they were looked at as the leader. And so for me, my second season, I was just kind of like looking around instead of like, I mean, so people looking to me for confidence. And I really struggled in that kind of role that I had, whatever role it was, which I don't really think it was a role, but yeah, that was really difficult for me to kind of navigate for 10 months and kind of look back on it and be like, yeah, that's where I kind of lost myself because I didn't feel like I was trusted. I didn't feel like I could be looked to for confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's always been part of my game. And so when I lost that, I kind of lost myself. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I think I've heard that story quite a few times from different athletes that like the feeling like if I'm not trusted, 
then I lose the trust in myself as well. Right. And it's such a hard thing, like even though there has been that trust in the past, if it's not happening right now, and then also like dress the team. So it's not like you said, like you knew that it's like it's one of the best teams and you're expected to win. And then if there's not that connection with the people that you want to get the trust from, it's it's going to be a challenging situation yeah. for anyone to like navigate through. Um, so mm-hmm. what happened then? Like, how were you able to overcome those struggles during that year? You know, I came off of that season and I had a lot of discussions with my agent, Ryan, and just kind of where I was at mentally, emotionally, physically even. Um, and I was kind of worried about my next my next job if there was going to be a next job because of just the way that I was feeling that season went uh, we had lost in playoffs and just losing was like the worst thing in the world to add up like yeah. lose and it is just like the world is ending that's how they make yeah. it seem and so for me I'm kind of like okay winning and losing like this is it's a sport like you're going to win games or you're going to lose games like there's so mm-hmm. much more to like than winning and losing you know uh, and so Luckily, I was able to land a job in Switzerland, and I absolutely love this club and the coach and the president. And I was just able to be super vulnerable and raw with Lauren Berto, the head coach, about like where I was. You know, she's familiar with Dresden. She was familiar with the coach and kind of the dynamic there. So it's really a really nice like transition from that to go play in Switzerland because my self-confidence was really low. My my performance anxiety was really high. Um, And so I just had to like, you know, baby step it back to where I was. Yeah. And wasn't it um, interesting as a side note that you um, played with Bia? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) This is awesome. Like it was so, I I love, yeah, me too. Me too. She's such a, awesome person um all the best to her and then finnish national team who are right now playing also um there are even championship qualifications in a couple weeks um but yeah so i always I, love their jerseys <laughs> yeah finnish jerseys yeah yeah i love the one that with the snowflake yeah they changed it now yeah. i don't like the new ones <laughs> i loved uh the snowflake so much more stick with the snowflakes yeah yeah i know we should maybe send them some uh, some kind of letter about that yeah. Um, but also, before we move on to the um, next season, I want to go back to Dresden because of the um, mm-hmm. the athlete calendar. So was that the year that you started also um, doing the calendar work? No, it was the year. Okay. But okay. That was kind of my first real exposure. I guess my first real exposure was when I was in France and I had a friend of mine who was playing at Dresden the, mm-hmm. that year, so the year before I got there. And she had sent me a text. She goes, why am I posting topless for a calendar? And I said, what? It was like, wait, there's, there's no way. Like, what are you even talking about? She's like, yeah, we're doing this, this calendar. They do it every year, I guess. And like, we're going to be topless. I was like, you have to keep me updated on this. Like, I've never heard of this. What is going on? Is my team going to do this to yeah. me? Like, and I kind of started to look at clubs and like who did them and who didn't do them. And yeah, I mean, that that calendar, calendar eventually came out in December. And 
I like couldn't believe it. Of course, the the photos are stunning, right? Everyone looks beautiful. You get your hair yeah. done, your makeup done, but like the foundation of that is that they're topless. Like, why why this hypersexuality and volleyball always been a thing? Like, yeah. and you know, the clubs are using it for sponsor money. You don't even know as an athlete if you touch that money at all. So basically, yeah. you're just posing for in my opinion, a lot of old men to just buy it and hang it up on their fridge. You know, it just became like really demeaning and a really intense um, experience for sure. Yes, I literally- And pretty awkward. Yeah, pretty awkward. I had missed our calendar shoot in Dresden. And so, you know, there's this day where all the calendars are done, they're printed and we have to show up to the gym and we have to sign them all, right? And I wasn't put in the calendar at all. And so here I am signing a thousand calendars, like over the body of another girl. And I'm just thinking the entire time, like, you know, they were clothed, clothed, clothed in this calendar, but still like the, the coses were pretty sexual. And, you know, a girl with a bigger bust had like a crop top and it was being act like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's on purpose. And yeah. so the entire time I'm just signing, you know, the, bodies of my teammates and and I had men come up and ask me like why aren't you in the calendar why aren't you in the calendar and it just you know it it never sat well with me and so that next year is when I actually did something about it yeah and would you want to um tell people what you did yeah so I actually teamed up and did a calendar basically was to highlight females I reached out to females that have played at clubs who have kind of, I guess, been exposed and been forced to be in these calendars um, and made my own calendar and wanted to highlight them and show, you know, what they're passionate about, ask where they are from, like what they love to do, just to highlight them as overall human beings. You know, it's yeah. it, more than just being an attractive volleyball player. Um, and so that calendar came out I guess we did it in December. That would have been 2020. Um, yeah, and we did this whole campaign of just like, do you take women volleyball players seriously? Uh, yeah. And basically just an end to stop sexualizing us. It opened mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of good conversation, obviously, and awareness. Um, yeah. I got a lot of hate. I got a lot of hate from that. I had a lot of people, uh, foreign people in my DMs. Um, luckily I can handle that as a person, but yeah, there were times like, oh my gosh, I, every single time I go on Instagram, it's like, I'm being attacked. So right. what, 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 what were they, um, then so mad about? Um, I guess the first time that I highlighted it on my, which I still have an entire highlight of it on my, um, personal Instagram, but I remember I was back home in the summer and so a lot of these instances happened before I even did the calendar. But I was back home in the summer and I saw a Division Two French team, mm-hmm. which made it a little worse for me because I know they're probably a little bit younger. Um, they did a campaign for breast cancer and it was a volleyball player. She was in her spandex, her knee pads, her shoes, top legs and had her hands over her breasts. And we're doing this for breast cancer awareness which doesn't make sense to me um Mm -hmm. but i just put it on my story and i said why are we still posing new like why are we still using nudity to even donate to a good cause 
like I th- I thought that there were so ma- so many better ideas that could have happened from a club. Like you could have actually brought like breast cancer survivors in and like had them speak and take photos with them and have them be highlighted in the calendar or something like that. You know, we don't need to even our players and hey, just take your top off and it's going to make money, right? Sex sells. Yeah. Um, and from that, you know, that club, <laughs> that literal club, second division French team literally all their players started to attack me their fans they were saying fake news yada yada she's dramatic she's crazy she doesn't know what she's talking about and i just my responses are all there like it is yeah all highlighted there but i i'm just like take a step back and think about it for one like yeah yes i understand that this is for a good cause right it's to donate it's for charity but do we really need to do this and I, and I said, this is how we donate to breast cancer awareness in America. We wear pink jerseys, right? We sell the jersey. We donate that money. Like, there's just so many other things that you could do instead of take your shirt off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, looks will always be part of sports, I think, because it's human bodies that are, like, you know, executing the performance and usually it requires athletic bodies and usually athletic bodies are like desirable yes but i think if we go looks first that's where i'm just like not agree let's go skills and humans first like and celebrate the the things that we can do with our bodies not necessarily like how it looks i think it's just a completely twisted approach needs to change and I think like the work that you have done around that is just like, I just respect that so much. So thank you seriously for yeah, doing yeah. it. Thank and you. Because in volleyball, it's still a little bit conservative what comes to like, you know, getting sponsors and how the money is going to be um, collected for the clubs to work. And mm-hmm. usually those clubs are also run by like older men who are like, have been in the management roles forever but then it's it's a different world for them than to be the female athlete and imagine like if you're exactly like 16 or 17 and you're growing up and then you need to be posing topless for a calendar i i just don't see that's very healthy for the sport and for or for the female athlete to be forced to do that because it's not like you can just say like no not gonna do it I yeah. think you you'll, you'll have that pressure for like showing up for the calendar and putting your body out there for some people to, like, I just, yeah. you know. <laughs> it make, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think like, and it's even younger than 16. I had a teammate who her first like sexy shoot was at 14, which in my opinion is like child pornography. Like it, it just is. 14. Um, yeah, 14, 14 years old in lingerie. I'm like, who signed up for this? Um, I, I got a lot of um, people that came back at me about like Sports Illustrated and um, like the body covers. And the best point I can make is that, you know, all of those professional athletes are agreeing. They're agreeing to be naked in this cover, right? Mm-hmm. As far as us, there's a pressure of saying no. You know, you are a foreigner and in a new country. You're pretty much just giving your time slot. Hey, we're doing a calendar shoot. Show up. Everyone's doing that. If you don't, if you say no, you're afraid. What are my teammates going to think about me? You know, I'm the, I'm like the odd one out. What are yeah. the coaches going to think? What is the staff, the president, you know, all the higher ups, all the sponsors, what are they going to think? 
are they going to judge me for my entire time here? I just got here. Like, I want to make a good impression. I just want to say yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And that's kind of the struggle um, for us and why these calendar shoots just keep happening. And I think the, the a great thing that has come out about this and a lot of girls have reached out to me is like, hey, we're actually having a conversation about like a team conversation about what we want to do for the calendar. And that is like an amazing step. It's no longer just we're going to do this and you're going to do it and you're not going to say anything. It's like we're actually going to sit down and come up with ideas we Hey, let's take a 60-second th- break from this episode because if you want to do better in your sport but find it challenging to block out the distractions, maybe handle the pressure, or stay focused on what truly matters, <clears throat> the present moment, not other people's opinions, or the previous rally, or what you're going to eat later tonight. If any of that sounded like you, I've got something for you. I want to give you an exclusive training session that I did this fall, and you'll be learning how to silence the external noise and laser focus on what's important, you and your performance. So I will be diving into the techniques that will allow you to improve your mental focus and resiliency so you can be more consistent. Because isn't that the dream? If I could just perform at a better level more consistently? Well, improving your focus is such a big part of that, so don't miss out on this opportunity. Go grab the free training through the link in the show notes, or you can also go to the website bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. So it's bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. See you there. Yeah. Which and one really, it's been really cool. Yeah, I'm sure. And I also just want to share one, the, the club that I am from basically in Finland. I think they did a fun mm-hmm. calendar one year um, with sponsors. So like all of the players had their own individual sponsor. So then they took mm-hmm. pictures of those um, players to go to that company and doing the work that the company like is about. So that was fun because there was like example, like a farming company. So then there was somebody like, you know, doing like pop or something. Yeah. So then it yeah. kind of like makes way more sense that then they're connected and then the player is still there and the sponsorships are, you know, getting visibility as well. And it's not, right. you know, just about the looks of the person who's like, you know, there to sell. Their body. Yeah. Yeah. Their body. And it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't just sit well with me, but. Okay, let's move on to the next one because I think this is something that I could talk forever, but not necessarily anybody want to hear about it forever. So, <laughs> so then you're in Switzerland and that was a great season. Um, mm-hmm. What happened next? Or like, you can also tell like how this like season in Switzerland was good. And was there something else that happened about that or like during that season that you would like to share? Um, I ended up staying there for two seasons. So okay. I think that's like the dream of a libero is to like find your club and stay there for as long as you can. So I stayed at Nuke for two years. We had pretty much the same team um, for two years, and I just loved it. I mean, everything about the club, the way that they they treat you, um, a lot of those same worlds is shared with the head coach there, Lauren Berto. She's an amazing person, an amazing human, a great coach. Um, the president is also female, so it's literally female-ran, yeah. um, which is amazing, and it's very, very rare. Um, and just, you know, everyone that works for the club is a volunteer. So it, it really is, everyone is brought together 
by the love of the club. Um, it, it really felt like a really close family. Um, mm-hmm. And we were also really successful. So that, of course, is part of it, is mm-hmm. we just won. We won a lot with the least amount of foreigners, which is a big deal. Um, yeah. The club really prides themselves on playing their Swiss girls. So we have a lot of Swiss girls, and a lot of them are younger and have really, really great potential. Um, and we would just have four foreigners a year. And so that's kind of the reason why I left in the second season was just they needed a spot open for a foreigner. And of course, with money, you know how it goes as a libero. Um, Mm -hmm. They needed to sign a foreign opposite. So it was hard to go, but I also understand as a libero. And I I really trust that coaching staff and the president. And so there were no hard feelings. Yeah, I understood. was awesome. And... Yeah, I'm thinking which way to go from here. But I is this like something that you felt like that was your best season? Yeah, I think overall was my best season. Probably my last season there because we we ended up winning. I think we won two out of three championships both years that I was there. Um but yeah, like I ended that last season with a Swiss championship. So that was really, really amazing. Yeah. And what allowed you then to like enjoy that season so much more? I think just the people. I was um, also like still writing. I had started my styling business at that point. So I was kind of like deep into work. I think I had a really healthy balance of life in general, like work life play balance. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew I was trusted in the club. I knew I was a leader in the club. Um, I had all of that going for me. Um, I was playing really well. And so just kind of everything was working, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's still challenges. You know, you lose games, you're not supposed to. And, you know, you're exhausted. You're fatigued mentally, emotionally, physically. You still do that no matter what, even if you're winning. But yeah, um, yeah, I just think like everything was where it needed to be. Yeah. And because I, that's why I asked that, because I think it's interesting to hear when we were going from like, okay, I was struggling to then I enjoyed the playing again so much and found that belief in myself. Mm-hmm. So what was the, so you said the bridge was for you basically um, that you felt trusted again from from club side and from your coach's side and you had all that balance. Was there something else they want to add that helped you? Um. Yeah, I just, I think it, it's all the thing together. I think, you know, you have to do a little bit more, like, work on your own as well. I think I've learned that mm-hmm. just as my journey, just to take more time to yourself. And whether that's journaling, yoga, finding, like, spaces where you can kind of take your mind off of the game. Um, just yeah. being a professional athlete, you have all these doubt, pressures, you know, worries all the time. Um, and I just think being able to step away from that and like okay how am I actually feeling today and I think the coach at Nuke Lauren she was really great about asking you how you felt and then would adjust based on that not like okay tough enough like (laughs) what you signed up for right which was Mm -hmm. kind of the response that I had kind of in Germany um like yeah you just push yourself until you explode pretty much but Mm -hmm. i think at nuke it was i learned just to say how i was feeling uh which was so different than anything that i 
I had ever experienced before. That's so cool because I think that is the new way of coaching that is also coming in more and more. Yeah. That like actually not, like wanting to know how your players are feeling and adjusting based on yeah. their answers and not just going back to the old model of like exactly like toughen up or right. well, what did you sign up for then? You know, like like this is your job. Yeah. Up. Like, yeah, I've been we've been called like other names and I'm like, I don't think you can say that to us. Like, are we seriously be calling being called this word <laughs> over yeah. here? Like, yeah. And so that was that was a three sixty that I experienced in Switzerland. Yeah. And I think that's I want to do like a case studies on those teams that are then like winning championships in a way mm -hmm. that they have also like created this whole different dynamic so that the coaches and players are actually on the same page and caring about each other. Because if this is an example to me, at least in my mind, where also like the players are playing for the coach and not because of like they're afraid of the coach and that's why they need to perform, you know, for the coach so because otherwise they feel like they're punished or something but that they genuinely want to be part of the team and like the team wants to excel because of the connections that have been created and relations, not just transactional, like ugh, yeah. that it's often is. And yeah. I know pro sports is hard and this is kind of like just my big vision and dream and but whatever, I'm allowed to have those dreams. And I think that's why I want to bring up these examples where it's actually working so well. And I do respect Lauren as a coach as well. Like, I don't know her personally yeah. that well. I've just said it a couple of times, mm -hmm. but I really respect the way that she's approaching the game and athletes' lives. So it's yeah, just freaking love that. She's a game changer for sure. Yeah. And then what happened? So from Switzerland back to US, was that it? Yeah, I came back home, um, and that was the first year of AU. And coming off of how happy I was at, at Nuke, I was really nervous to kind of, like, dive back into a situation that I didn't know, like, what I was getting into um, in certain countries. And so I did have some offers, and I ended up declining them. I wanted to figure some stuff out back here in the States and was hopeful that I would get signed by AU and that's what happened. So I pretty much had rest from the summer until I didn't have to report until like February. So that was just a amazing chunk of time where I've never had that much time off since yeah. I was probably 10 years old. Um, and that was lovely. Um, just having time to myself and to like take a step back and take a break. Um, so then I, yeah, I went and played in AU and finished yeah. in April. Yeah. And that, that is a whole new thing that mm -hmm. is unlimited and like having yeah. a yeah, league. And it's not that you play for the team it, the, the same way, like you're actually playing for yourself. So how was that mindset shift for you? Yeah. Very different. Um, you really have to adapt to the system. Some people just say, I'm not going to pay attention to the system. And some people mm -hmm. like pay way too much to it. And so I tried to just like kind of find a balance in between that um, mm -hmm. because I didn't want it to like, again, take the joy out of playing. But seriously, I think everyone around me was brought that joy of playing volleyball again through AU. Like everyone is just so happy to be playing and like such an amazing and great environment that like that's just a given like you walk in the gym and like spirits are always high which is mm -hmm. I, 
you don't always get that overseas, right? No. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, it's a draft system. So you're going to be like drafted to a new team every single week. You know, you're applying for your own points. Then there's a leaderboard and you move up and get a leaderboard based on like how much you win. And I don't remember the percentages, but it's like team wins, like individual points and then something else. I don't know. Um, and so it, it, it takes some time to get used to, um, but it is like really fun. And they just wanted to bring like a different dynamic to the sport and make it like fun for the viewers and interactive. Um, definitely different, but a, a really amazing experience. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. I, and I do like, I'm excited to see where that goes. It, it is different. And I think it's awesome that they wanted to try something different. Yeah, and, and just see like what the response is, and uh, so far it looks like it has done very well. Mm -hmm. um, and at least the players are all like just like really giving a lot of compliments that it's a it's a yeah. great thing in community, and like everything feels good. At least that's the um, impression that I've gotten. That like at least the players are really excited about yeah. the whole whole thing and having the league in the U.S. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blessing for sure. Yeah. So where are you right now then with your goals and dreams? Where's volleyball? Where's business? Yeah, I think it's still the same. I'm really hoping to play an AU again. Um, aside from that, like I work seven days a week. I'm kind of a workaholic. And so <laughs> part of my struggle right now is being able to like step away from the work and just like enjoy some peace and quiet. Uh, but as far as work goes, yeah, I'm still styling, um, but I'm also doing like curated boxes now. So that's taken up a lot of my days and I still write. I actually like have 180 pages of an entire other book that I haven't even started oh my God. to touch. It, they were kind of written at the same time, um, but very different from each other. And so, yeah, just day to day, it's kind of different. Of course, I choose my own schedule. So I kind of can pick and choose like where I dedicate my time. Um, yeah. Yeah, just kind of an ebb and flow. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the book. How yeah. that process for you? Did you know that you want to actually oh publish it? In the beginning, yeah, really. Um, yeah. It was more of like a therapeutic process for me. Um, I started write, writing this in college and I was in a pretty toxic and abusive relationship. I, I tried to go to therapy. Um, when you when you are in a really toxic relationship, you kind of get stripped of like your friends, you know, you're with somebody that's really controlling. And mm -hmm. I wasn't really able to like talk to people. You know, I was scared to talk to my family and friends. I had just been so isolated from them already. And so, yeah, therapy wasn't working, nothing was working. And so I I remember hopping on a flight to, I think we were flying in Arizona, so I was flying back home. Um, and I took out my phone and I opened like my pages app and I was just like jotting how I was feeling, like literally just raw emotions, whatever came to mind. And I kept doing this over and over again and one day I went back to read it and I was like, okay, like the way I actually think and like type it feels very poetic. And you know, when I was younger, I used to like write like cute little like poems for my friends, like nothing mm -hmm. too serious, but I always enjoyed writing um, and poetry in general. Um, but I guess not until really I got to France and I started writing a lot more. I, I thought, you know, what if I like made this into a book? Like this 
you know, if this could help one person, then I'm doing my job, right? Like, um, and so from there, I, I really like started to like go back. And for those who will read it, it's in three parts. And so I wrote part two first, and then I wrote part one second, and then part three last. So it was kind of interesting the way that I did this, but I worked on it for seven years before I actually like published it. Yeah, that's some real patience. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. It is really scary to put your work out there, uh, especially something that's so raw and vulnerable. It was, it was terrifying. It was like the scariest thing I've ever done, you know. And I've played on like some big stages in volleyball, and it nothing compared to like actually putting my work out on social media. Awesome. Why do you think that is? I think it's more of just like the reaction of like, oh, is this like too too raw and vulnerable right is it mm-hmm. too dark is it too sad like do people want something that's like happy all the time and like that's just yeah. not reality like that's just not your life mm-hmm. and so i think you know there's a lot of people the statistic is like three or four women find themselves in an abusive relationship which is so high um and i think it's one in four men and i just thought you know like I constantly want to be able to help people, right? I started a styling business because I wanted to help people with their style. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about to the youth about volleyball. And in this case, I guess like the calendars too, I wanted to help people. In this case, I wanted to help people that could in some way relate. Not even if you haven't been in a abusive relationship, or hopefully, but mm-hmm. there are some things that you could relate to in this book. And that was kind of my main goal. Yeah. How beautiful. I just ah, really applaud you for doing that because I cannot even imagine how much that will like exactly be scary or feel scary. Because even just for me, like starting to share in social media was like, you know, very scary thing. And like the things that I'm tr- sharing are still, they're stories from my life. And, and there are things that, that people didn't know when I was going through them and I never was active on social yeah. media at all. So now what I do for mm-hmm. a living is completely different. And I've also right. have gone through those moments where just like, but I don't want to hit the publish button anymore. Seriously. And then, then exploring it like, okay, but where is this coming from? Why am I? And then yeah. you just had to do it and live with it and just learn from it. It's like out in the world. Yeah. Really scary. Like with part how with me, like, I couldn't hit the publish button. Like I literally mm-hmm. could not press it. I was like asking other people to do it because I physically was like, I had a video on my Instagram and I'm like, sh- my hands are icy all that. I was so nervous when I actually did it, you know? And, and there were months where I thought, okay, the book is ready. Like it's perfect, it's ready. Mm-hmm. And I would order another sample and be like, oh no, like this isn't perfect. Like find out reasons to like, keep it from being published and and finally i was like f it it's ready like hit the button yeah it is really scary yeah and so can you articulate like where did you find the courage then to like just do it put it in public i don't know i just (laughs) i mean i kind of started and i i slowly kind of put my work out there like I did a few poems on my Instagram and that was even scary um I started like a new Instagram for my poetry and kind of made it like really creative and putting like aesthetic photos behind and that was kind of like a stepping stone to like try and feel it out for how it would go and then yeah I just felt it like 
in my bones. I was like, today's the day I'm going to do it. And then I did. That's so odd. I don't know where the courage came from. Yeah. <laughs> or just telling myself, like, you can do this. Like, just do it. And I've had so many friends that, you know, I had sent, like, either PDF versions or when I finally had an actual sample. Um, the evolution of the book is, like, it's so different. Like, the first copy to the third copy is just so different. Um, mm-hmm. But I had sent friends to, like, revise, read it and revise it for me. And so... I had all of them just being like, it's ready. Like, I'm so proud of you. You can do this. Like, I'll be here every step of the way type of thing. And so that helped a lot with my courage for sure. Yeah, awesome. Um, There's also a question. So if anybody has more questions, you can send it in the question box or in the comment box. There was one question sent and he said, um, did you see that too? Um, Amanda, have you ever thought about playing in international leagues? Um, but I think we have talked about the international league. So I think that really answered for that question. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, if anybody else has any questions now is the time to send them. Um, and while you're maybe thinking, what do you want to ask from Amanda? Or I think you're being called Benny. Am I right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I don't know why Amanda is also like a hard thing for me to pronounce to have the the second syllable. I mean, that's why that's Amanda because volleyball. Mm-hmm. you have to communicate really quickly um and so when i was a freshman in high school a girl asked me my one of my teammates just said do you have a nickname because like amanda is too hard to get out of my mouth <laughs> i was like i mean a lot of people call me like ab or ben or she's like benny and i was like benny kind of like that and it seriously is stuck throughout yeah. my entire life since then. Like my best friends, their parents call me Benny. My parents even had called me Benny for a while. Um, yeah, everyone really calls me Benny. Just kind of like slow in my head. Yeah, I've had to pronounce. Yeah. To the letter from Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I have three more questions for you if we are not getting any other questions. So... What are the most common struggles that you see that athletes are having in the professional world? Yeah, I think I think we've touched on a few, but I really think it's that like independent factor. At least if I can speak for Americans, I think they go over and you know they they don't really know what to expect. They don't understand how difficult it's going to be to like kind of try and separate themselves from volleyball and take their mind off of things so like having a hobby or how hard it's going to be like navigating your life in a whole new country where you don't speak the language and um not being able to like talk to your family or maybe they can or can't come visit you you know um i think all of those things are like really big struggle Mm -hmm. i think also adapting to the actual game itself is a really big process and I think like if you're not like super coachable or like you've been stuck in a that dynamic way of playing like in college then like that's not really going to work for you either you know so you like you have to be a little bit able to like meet in the middle with coaches and like say yeah I can try that but a lot of times they try to like change your technique right and that's something maybe you've never experienced before um 
yeah, all my my four seasons, I was like asked to do different things. And so I had to really like adapt and adjust to all of that. Um, so I think if that's a, another really big common denominator. Yeah, that's awesome you mentioned that because I think there is that fine line between like, you know, like, yes, being coachable. And then because every single coach is basically asking you to do something different, especially if you play in different leagues in different countries. So then there are different techniques and tactics that are like just based on the culture that I have been um, trained for. So then as a player, when we go into those environments, we're often asked to change our technique, Mm -hmm. which is also a tough thing to, but then knowing that like, because I went overboard on the other side of like, I tried to change everything based on like all the little details that people were trying to tell me because I thought like, well, okay, I'm just gonna absorb all the information so I can become better. And then I kind of like lost, lost the way of like my way of playing. Yeah, your own game. Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, do you have any tips for that one? Like, how do we know or like when to adjust and where's the, where's the good balance between those? Like not changing too much, but then listening to the coaches and their advice. Yeah, I think we all have like our advantages and like what makes us individually a great player, right? Like, I guess for me, like I'm I'm typically super vocal. So communication was like my number one. So I think if, like if you can never lose that like one to three things about yourself, I, I don't think there's any like wrongdoing and like trying something like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll try it. I don't know if it's going to work, but like, sure, I'll do this. But I think also being like, yeah, that's not true to myself. And like, that's probably not going to work. So, so I'll try it for like you. Coach, and but I'm, and stuff, I'm not sure so if that's truly what's best for me. But, and when it comes to um, game time, yeah, really when I need to be to on, I've had like, some conversations. Maybe, so I'm just going to stay to my roots and like, but I don't do what I know myself. But hopefully, yeah. We're I keeping our fingers crossed for that. The last question, yeah. <laughs> kind of like I think related to the previous one, that what do you think athletes could focus more on, in your opinion? Oh, the mental game, the mental side. I think nowadays it's talked a lot more mm-hmm. of course like we've we've discussed mental health and i'm even thinking five six years ago when i'm in college there was no discussion of mental health mm-hmm. um, we had no mental health professional we had barely any apps shout out my best friend maya who created timeout um we had no apps we had like limited resources at least to my knowledge um but i i really think focusing on the mental side because if you're not like right up here then everything else starts to go um and you can really train your mind and you know whatever that means for you there's no book on what everyone needs to do to perform at a high level everybody's going to be different i think that Mm -hmm. figuring out what is best for you and that can take years that literally can take you years to figure out what you actually personally need um you know, my process is going to be different from yours and and vice versa. And so I think, yeah, just focusing on the mental side. I think if I would have focused on the mental side, maybe even before Dresden, I could have pulled myself out of some of those situations and not been so stubborn or let things get to me or words get to me um, and really like tarnish my performance. Yeah. So then kind of like a bonus question on that. What has been the most efficient for you to, you know, keep your mental health in good place? Yeah, I journal a lot. I, I love to write, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I also just reach out to friends. Like I have a couple friends that I can just call and just be super honest. Like I just need to vent. Mm-hmm. 
I just need you to like listen to me for five minutes and like I'm gonna get it out and I'm gonna be okay. Um, just talking to people. I think a lot of times we become really internal. I think a lot of athletes do that. They're afraid to to, to speak out and mm-hmm. ask for help or you know say that they're hurting mentally. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of like great resources now that like are just out there. So I think you know getting a mental health coach. Um, yeah, getting somebody that you you trust and can help you, I think is really important. Awesome, agreed. And then two last questions that we got. Um, there's one in the question box. Box. I will do that one first. So, what's your favorite song at the moment? Your favorite song at the moment? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Like, I barely have time to even listen to music mm-hmm. these days. Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't even tell you. And that's the hard question. I was like, I find like, I'm like waiting for a song. You can't right? I don't even know. Yeah. And then there was a one question also in the comments. Um, are you staying in one city or taking the show on the road this season? Do you have any information on that? Um, I think just one city again. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was all the questions. Dallas again. Okay, Dallas. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was all the questions that we got and we already um, have been here for an hour. So I really want to thank everybody who, um, oh my God, somebody got your book. That's awesome. Um, oh my boy. Yeah. Aspiring High Performers Podcast. I hope you found today's conversation as inspiring as I did. And please remember that achieving more does not have to come at the expense of your well-being or happiness anymore. So before we part ways, I want to share two important things with you. One, if today's conversation resonated with you, if it reinforced that thought of what could be possible for you, then consider becoming part of the community. So please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, honestly, and it helps me continue bringing you valuable content. Secondly, as we venture forward on this journey, I invite you to join our exclusive WhatsApp group, absolutely free of charge. Here you'll find a community of like-minded individuals, all driven by similar dreams and desires. And we can make reaching that next level just a little bit easier when we are surrounded by support and shared aspirations. And lastly, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of today's episode. So until next time, stay driven and go master the day because you might just be closer to your goals than you think.